When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live here on Giants.com as well as the mobile app. He's Paul Dottino. I'm Lance Meadow with you for the next 60 minutes as we are gearing up for the London game between the Giants and the Packers in Week 5. And multiple ways you can interact with us here on the program. You give us a ring at 201-939-4513. You can also use hashtag GiantsChat on Twitter. And as a reminder, you can find the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere, and at Giants.com slash podcast. So given the fact that the Time difference has sped things up on this Friday. We actually have the injury report out already, so we can break it down on a Friday program. Normally, we get it after we finish up, so that will be something new. We also had Brian Dable speak earlier today to the media. So, Paul, let's dive right into the injury report. And we knew that there were a number of guys that were already ruled out because the Giants announced late yesterday several players weren't even traveling to London. So I think a lot of these names that I'm going to read are not necessarily surprises, but here it is. Cornerback Cordell Flott, calf injury, he's out. Kenny Galladay, knee issue, he's out. Wandell Robinson, although he was limited throughout the course of the week at times, was not able to practice today, so he is out. Kadarius Toney didn't even travel to London. Brian Dable acknowledged the fact that he tweaked his other hamstring on Thursday. So this is a different hamstring issue. Henry Mondo, the defensive lineman, ankle issue. Aziz Ojolari did not practice this week with the calf. And Tyrod Taylor still in concussion protocol. So we know the seven inactives already for game day. Then Leonard Williams is questionable. He was a limited participant all week with the knee issue. Daniel Jones, Evan Neal, Julian Love, they have no injury designations, which certainly is promising as Daniel Jones, Evan Neal, and Julian Love were all full participants on Friday. So I think everything is looking good that those three will be in uniform. For the Packers, Adrian Amos, one of their starting safeties in concussion protocol. He was a limited participant each of the last two days. He's listed as questionable. Other than that, they're full go. Jair Alexander, their top corner who didn't play last week, he was a full participant each of the last two days. So he will suit up for Green Bay. David Bakhtiari, who's played the last few games, they're sort of resting him because they don't want him to overdo it 
Elton Jenkins, their other tackle, too, who's been dealing with the torn ACL. So it looks like Green Bay is probably as close to full strength as you're going to find with respect to the Packers. And we'll get more into the injury report as we move forward here. But in the meantime, our very own John Schmolk is over in London, and he joins us to weigh in on some of the morning festivities. Schmelk, how was the uh, flight over across the pond this morning? No, my ladies and gentlemen, noblemen, how are you from lovely London, or actually the outskirts of London right now? Yeah, it was, it was long. It was I got about two hours of sleep. I'm a little punchy. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good. It's been a long day, but uh, ready to rock and roll. How much practice they, did they allow you guys to see this morning when the Giants got to that? I don't, I don't even know if I can call that a field. It looked like a big grassy knoll. <laughs> I mean, it was a field. It was, I mean, it was, it, was, it was a field. It was a nice field. It was, you know, on, on top, kind of like on top of a little bit of a hill. Um, it was a nice scenic outlook uh, next to the practice field. But, yeah, I mean, it was it was exactly what you would think it was going to be, Paul, in terms of what they allowed everyone to see. So, uh, same first 15, 20 minutes, whatever it was, and then people got scurried off. And I'm sure that Jones uh, did his usual dropbacks and rollouts and everything that we've seen the last couple of days. So everything appears to be full go for him. And, and uh, you know, I will tell you, John, the one thing that, as Lance just read off the injury report this morning, and, and we got it a, a short time ago from the Giants, Julian Love is out of the concussion protocol. So it sounds like that he's ready to resume his starting role on Sunday. Yeah, Julian Love, Daniel Jones, good to go. Uh, you know, not an injury report. I think the only true game time decision is Leonard Williams. Uh, you know, Brian Dable spoke before practice today, and he indicated, you know, there was a shot for both Wondell Robinson and Leonard Williams. Wondell, I guess they didn't, you know, see enough from him to practice today, so he's not going to go. Leonard still has a shot. Uh, that's the guy that I would keep an eye on moving forward. But look, Daniel, Daniel's going to go. Is his ankle 100%? No, but I think he certainly is mobile enough to be a dual threat and uh, be a you know, and, and use both parts of his game, throwing and running, when we get to the game on Sunday. Now, Tyrod Taylor didn't make it through concussion protocol, so it's safe to assume Davis Webb is going to be called up from the practice squad. It's just a matter of them making those moves yep. tomorrow prior to the game. The other one that's of note, John, is Evan Neal got through practice okay this week, and he doesn't have an injury designation. He was another guy that was at least iffy when we were talking after the game on Sunday because of the neck issue. Yeah, Evan Neal, you know, we, Brian Dable spoke on Wednesday, didn't really have any concerns about him. So he, he's good to go. Uh, there was really no concerns about him. I saw him walking, you know, off the practice field, you know, just fine. He was practicing just fine. Yeah, I wouldn't have any, I wouldn't have any concerns about Evan Neal's health, you know, but Evan Neal's going to have to block Preston Smith and Rashawn Gary, just like Andrew Thomas. That would be more of my concern than his health. John, from what you could tell, how's the energy level of the team, and, and what is the schedule now for the next 36 hours or so as the Giants try to navigate this thing before kickoff? Uh, the guys have some free time tonight, so I know some guys are, are you know, going to grab dinner, whether it's in the you know, local town here or, or going down to London. And then yesterday, tomorrow um, they have meetings, it looks like, from 9 to noon or so, and then they have the afternoon off. So I know Xavier McKinney said, I believe he said he's going to the uh, Chelsea game tomorrow. Um I think me and my guys might actually try to go see. I've never been to a, a proper soccer match, so we might, we might end up trying to go see one of those one of those matches tomorrow too. And uh, so they basically have work in the morning. I think that there's a large stress on the guys getting a very good night sleep tonight after the red eye flight yesterday. So I think that's the main priority here as as these guys try to get on a good schedule 
so they're ready to go. Remember, it's a, it's a 9.30 game on Sunday morning for the East Coast, but here it's right in the middle of the afternoon. It's at 2.30. So uh, the guys should be able to get two good nights of sleep and, and be ready to rock and roll on Sunday. And, uh, you know, try. And frankly, guys, I think the Giants have to, I think we'll both agree with this. The Giants have to play better than they've played in any game this season so far if they want to beat the Packers on Sunday. Yeah. Anything on the weather report, John, in terms of possible rain or no? I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like Florida, Paul. There's always a chance of rain <laughs> out here. Uh, you know, originally the, the, the forecast for today was like 60 to 70% chance of rain. And it turned out to be a lovely day. It was, you know, sunny. It was, it was beautiful. And tomorrow there was much less of a chance of rain. So I think we're going to get out of here uh, avoiding any, uh, you know, U.K. inclement weather. So hopefully that holds up. But I think at least for now it looks like we're going to be good on Sunday. But, again, out here things can change fast. Which is why you have to prepare accordingly. Speaking of preparing accordingly, if you do go to a soccer match, just make sure you sit in the right section and watch what colors you wear. Because, you know, those soccer fans can get kind of rowdy from what I hear. <laughs> yes, I have I have a Yankee hat with me, so I'm going to be very neutral, navy blue. I, I figure that's yes. a very safe color. I'm not going to wear any soccer jerseys, and, and I'm just going to throw a lot of Griffin Ward, our sideline producer on the radio to the Wolves if anything happens, and I'm going to run and just, you know, throw them into the mix and um, get the hell out of there. Now, wait a minute. Don't, don't the Yankees have, like, a partnership going with one of those soccer teams? You might have to be careful, John. Uh, you might have to be careful. I don't think. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think it's anything super official. I mean, they they, they have a relationship <laughs> with the. Um, Is it United? The, uh, the New York Football Club, right? Okay. I, I don't know. Yeah. They might. I, I, something tells me that something tells me the uh, Yankee ad isn't going to draw me any heat. Okay. <laughs> Actually, they have. It looks like the Yankees have a minority stake in AC Milan, so that's an Italian soccer team. I think he's yes. safe okay. from that perspective. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm safe. I'm good. Safe. Yes, I'm you're safe. in the right territory. Yeah. <laughs> so before we let you go, John, anything else of note that came across your radar, whether it be from the press conferences or practice today, that could be an indication of anything to look out for on Sunday? Yes. Yeah. yeah, you know, you know, I think it's been a lot. You know, guys are excited to play in, in front of the London crowd. Uh, if you, you know, people can go back and check out the John Tuttle podcast either with the Irish NFL show. Uh, they said this is basically the, the second hottest ticket that they've had out here, except for the first time the Giants came in 07 or was like a new deal. Uh, there's a ton of Packer fans that, that are at this game. Apparently, uh, Heathrow was infested with cheeseheads today with arrivals. The there's a bunch of Packer fans that are going to this game. Um, so I think the fans are going to be into it. There is a rather large Giant fan base out here, too, so I think there's going to be fans of both teams at the game, um, which will be good. Uh, yeah, I think guys are just excited to play, and I think, look, uh, Bob, Bob Pop and I spoke to Brian Dable this morning, and it's going to go up on the John Tuttle podcast, and it'll be on our pregame show on Sunday, too, uh, bright and early on WFN at 8 a.m. And, you know, he said, look, there's a path to victory here. And, if Paul, you would have smiled. Bob goes, I'm having flashbacks to, you know, 1990 in the basement of old Giant Stadium with <laughs> Bill Parcell saying, you know, there, you know, it, it might be, it might some, you know, some weeks it's more narrow, some weeks it's wider. Yep. But there's always a path to victory. Yep. And you know, that's kind of the way Brian Dable talked about the game. So I think he knows there's a specific way the Giants have to play. Um, if they're going to, you know, beat a Packer team that is really good on both sides of the ball, we know how good Aaron Rodgers is. I mean, the Packers really don't have a, you know, maybe they're they don't have you know an elite strength. Right now, but I don't really see any major weaknesses either. I think there are very, very 
sound football team on both sides of the ball. Maybe the wide receiver core, uh, maybe the interior of their offensive line, maybe. But I think they're just a really good football team. So I think the Giants have to play their best their best ball to win, and they have to play mistake-free football. You have to win the turnover battle or at least be neutral to have a shot in this game. You know, their run defense, the Packers, another thing that maybe you can take advantage of. You know, Saquon Barkley has to have another big day. Uh, and, you know, I, I think that's I think that's kind of where we're at. And I hope you come home and then, you you know, you play well. And who knows what's going to happen out here? You know, it's, 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 a weird, it's a weird circumstance situation. You know, maybe the Packers don't handle the travel well, get a couple turnovers. You can figure out a way to win the game. I will say this. I am very disappointed Paul is not out here because – it's a lovely hotel, right? I don't want to give the name or location because I don't want it to. But it is, like, really spread out. So just for me to get from, like, my hotel room to, like, the lobby is, like, a 10-minute walk. It's a beautiful <laughs> ground. This is, like, prime. It, I have never been in a hotel situation that was more set up for Paul Dottino to walk. It is, it is perfect. And, you know, I'm very disappointed Paul isn't here to enjoy the uh, the walking environment. This is like this hotel was made for Paul Dottino. Well, you know what, John? I'm going to be walking Pittsburgh tomorrow when I do my college game. So I think I'll get my steps in one way or the other. Are you sure you're not staying at Buckingham Palace? Is that where you guys are? At? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. <laughs> no, the, the 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 king has not extended the invitation. No, he hasn't. Oh, okay, yeah. That's a shame. I thought they would have greeted you once you got off the plane, John. That's what I thought would have happened. Actually. So. What happened is that there was somebody there in, in like the uh, in like the official getup with like the the uh, red officer's uniform and the big black hat and it, and he was holding a Lance Meadow index card, but you weren't here, so that I so, so we couldn't go. Well, that's because that's they you, they couldn't find him. He was so short amongst all the big people. Well, that's why they had an index card. They didn't need as big of a there sign. You go. So, only an you know, index card. Exactly. Clearly, exactly. John and enjoys. I have good eyesight, so I could see it from afar. That's important. S- safe to travels, my man. We'll we'll see you on Monday. Uh, we'll see you on Monday. We're not supposed to land, I think, until like 1 a.m. or something like that. So it'll be another rough Monday, but hopefully it'll be a happy one if the Giants can figure out a way to win. That huddle is up on Giants.com, by the way. Well, there you oh, go. See, there so you go. They could, check it out. They could absolutely check it out. Pearson, All right, John, safe nice travels. Job. Enjoy the game. John Schmelk reporting from London. And that huddle podcast also includes an interview we did with Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers for The Athletic. We broke down the ins and outs of Green Bay, so you can check that out to get you set for week number five. Hey, guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. we got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball. We do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet.
And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's delve into this matchup before we open up the phone lines at 201-939-4513. And I'm going to piggyback off of what John said. This is by far a huge jump in terms of the caliber of the quarterback that you're going up against. And I know that's stating the obvious, but I think this is pretty much something that has been transpiring over the last few weeks. They played Cooper Rush. They played Justin Fields. Now you're going up against one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history. And there's not a lot that Aaron hasn't seen, especially with respect to what Wink is going to throw at him. And I was listening to Aaron's conversation with the media both this morning and earlier this week. He played the Ravens last season when Wink was the defensive coordinator. So he has a bit of a fresh perspective of what Wink could potentially throw at him. And even Wink jokingly said that during the week that, you know, when he's retired on the golf course, if Aaron is in front of him, he's going to try to hit a golf ball his way because it's so frustrating going up against Aaron Rodgers. But that's why, to me, Paul, it's one thing to grind it out against Carolina and Chicago with the rushing attack. And I'm not saying that they can't have success, but you just feel this is the type of game where you're going to need an opportunistic play or two from the defense but most important, something's going to have to happen with the air attack. I just I don't see how they can grind out this game solely like they did against Chicago, leaning just on the run. Well, I would say this. Special teams for the Packers has been a real problem for several years. And even though it's gotten somewhat better, it is still a subpar special teams unit. Just look at their numbers. I don't need to quote them to you. They're poor. They're in the bottom third of the league. And the Giants have been inconsistent on specials. At times, they've been really good, but they've had at least one breakdown in, in every game so far this year on special teams. The Giants must, and I mean must, tilt the field in their favor on specials to help their offense and defense pull this escape. It's really that simple. I think that's the big thing. I don't think they need a 60-yard bomb for a touchdown. I don't think they need necessarily a pick six. Those would be helpful. I'm not going to say I would turn them down if they were there. But I think if the, during the course of the game the Giants can tilt the field on specials, it would go a long way into helping them. Because let's not kid ourselves, Lance. For most of the next 13 weeks, it's going to be Saquon, rinse and repeat, Saquon, rinse and repeat. Saquon, rinse and repeat. He is, he is the focal point, the key, and quite frankly, the go-to guy on this team, period. Sure. Well, but that's why I'm going to be interested to see if then teams start adjusting because the Bears didn't put extra guys in the box much at all, which was a bit surprising considering you went up against a quarterback that was not a threat to throw the ball. So does Green Bay overcommit and say, we're focusing on Saquon. If Daniel's going to beat us, let him beat us down the field. Let Richie James make some catches and let David Sills surprise us. And let's see if they can win a game like that. Eventually, Paul, right? Don't you figure some team is going to say, we're not going to let Saquon dictate the tone. We're not going to let him damage us. And maybe it's this week with the Green Bay Packers, especially since, to me, Green Bay's the type of team they don't have to blitz. I know they do, but I think they can win with the guys they have up front. They don't have to be overly aggressive. They have the guys, the horses, where Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, even Kenny Clark with some pressure up the gut. Those guys, I think, could apply pressure with just the foursome 
like that as opposed to bringing the entire arsenal of weaponry the way of the Giants offense. Oh, I, I don't disagree with, with what you're talking about in terms of their front four and their ability to put some heat on the QB. And then you got the edge guys. Uh, they will send five on occasion, but they don't sure. send six. So, so you're right in terms of they don't have to use a high-risk, high-reward pressure package. However, this is a team that has had a lot of trouble stopping the run this year. And so it's tailor-made for Saquon to do what he needs to do, and particularly because this secondary does not like to tackle. Okay? I've talked to enough of scouts about it. I watched the tape. This secondary does not have any interest in bringing a running back to the ground especially the safeties. They do not do very well in run support at all. So if the Giants are able to get any creases for Saquon, he gets to that second level, it's a big deal for the Giants. He gets to that third level, we're talking about a 50-yard run. It's It's just that simple. The Packers secondary is not interested in stopping the run. Here's another reason why it's so critical for Saquon to be successful on first and second down. And the Packers have struggled on first down to make key stops, specifically against the run. Green Bay is number one in third down defense. Teams are only converting 24% of the time. And part of that is they're seeing a lot of third and longs because they're not necessarily having a great deal of success on first and second down. So if Saquon and company, if they can run the ball effectively on early downs and set themselves up accordingly with third and fours and third and fives, Mm -hmm. I think that puts the Giants in a much stronger position to extend drives and have some success in wearing down this Packers defense. If they don't have success, to me it's going to be very tough sledding trying to execute on those third and longs in this game. Yeah, that's really where the uh, Packers have specialized in, what is it, 24% opponents third down conversion, which is a ridiculously insane number. Uh, and as we talked to the gentleman, 10 from the out athletic, of 42 conversions, by the way, yeah, that's the, the exact number. The gentleman from the athletic who we talked to, and again, it's on the huddle. If you guys want to listen to it, uh, he, he did seem to say that, hey, you know what? It, they're getting these folks in a lot of third and long situations. So so what do you do? You, you run the ball on early downs, have Saquon shorten the distance and then either have Saquon continue to run it on third down and get the chains moving or you use the play action because now they're so worried about Saquon after the first two downs, now you hit him with a pass to the tight end. Uh, look, I, I love that Dable brought up to Bob and John paths to victory because that's what Parcells used to tell us about all the time, the paths to victory. And he would he would map out these are the one, two, or three, or four different ways that the scenarios could break down for the Giants to win the game. And then he would say, okay, well, how many scenarios are there and what are there for the opponents to beat the Giants? And he would map all this stuff out every single week. It's what I do every week when I, when I look at the upcoming game. And there are paths to victory here, and we, we've discussed it. So, yes, it would be an upset if the Giants pull it off, but it would not be as monumental as some people might think. Well, whenever you have a strong run game, you always give yourself a fighting chance. I yeah. think the Giants have documented that, and that's their bread and butter. They can and, and lean don't on sell that. the Giants' red zone defense short either, Lance. Sure. And the Packers, that has been an area of struggle for them. They have not been nearly as efficient in terms of their red zone ability. So perhaps the Giants could capitalize there. You hold Aaron Rodgers and company to a field goal. That's another way to slow down Aaron Rodgers and company. But you know, let's not forget, the one thing we also haven't mentioned is the Packers have a pretty strong run game too. 
They are seventh in the NFL. They're averaging 145 yards per game, and they throw two different runners at you. Mm -hmm. With the Giants, it's Saquon steering the ship. With Green Bay, you got to deal with Aaron Jones. You got to deal with A.J. Dillon, who's the bigger, heavier guy that's going to pound you. He may not be getting a lot of yardage per carry, but you're going to feel it come the fourth quarter. So both of these teams, I would argue, Paul, they both have paths to victory with their rushing attack. Yeah. That's more of a reason why I think something in the passing game is probably going to turn out to be the turning point, X factor, however you want to word it. I have more faith in the Giants' ability to contain the run with Leonard Williams potentially coming back, with Jalen Smith showing what he did last week with seven tackles on 35 snaps, uh, with Xavier McKinney being a very willing safety who comes up and supports the run, with Adoree Jackson who is a really good run support corner. Uh, I think it's it's not even close. The Giants are a much better run defense than the Packers. Even though the numbers don't necessarily show a gaping difference, I don't think they're, they're, there's any question that the Giants have guys who are much more willing to stop the run uh, than, than Green Bay. I, I will add one other thing, though, and I, I thought I might see it last week. And I even thought maybe he might kind of get the dust off against Dallas, but it didn't happen yet. One of these weeks, Matt Breida is going to be a much bigger factor in the game than, than anybody believes. His speed and his quickness, at some point in time, Matt Breida is going to be the X factor, and he's going to be the difference in a game for the Giants. Maybe this is the one, because when you have a secondary that does not want to support the run, all you need to do is break through that initial wave of tacklers, and now there's a lot of real estate to roam. With Breida's speed, he could make Green Bay pay dearly for letting a back get through that initial wave of defense. We'll see. We'll see whether or not they want to limit some of the touches to Saquon. He's coming off a game in which he had 33 touches, which was well above the norm considering it's been 24 or less for him sure. in the previous three games. So perhaps maybe they look to get Breed involved a little bit. I guess just to your point about the Giants being solid against the run, yes. I think optics speaking-wise, they haven't given up a lot of big damaging runs. The exception is, though, that Dallas game, Paul. Yeah. And the reason why I highlight the Dallas game is, to me, Green Bay's backfield is similar to Dallas. You had Tony Pollard slash Aaron Jones, Zeke slash A.J. Dillon. You had those two backs that present different challenges. One can be elusive. The other can do the small, short-yarded situation. So how do they adjust based on their struggles against Dallas versus Green Bay compared to what Carolina and Chicago offered? You really only had to worry about one back. Whereas Dallas presented a little bit more of a different situation. I see Green Bay being very similar to that. So this to me is more of, okay, what did you learn from that Cowboys game? And are you going to act accordingly? Oh, you learned that without Leonard Williams, your rushing defense is a lot worse. And you learned that you had to get Jalen Smith on the field because he can plug up those holes and those running gaps. And so they fixed it last week by making sure that they got Jalen in there, mitigating the loss of Williams. And now it looks like, you know, Leonard is going to play this week. Those two guys make a huge difference. So I don't look at that Dallas game and the ability of the Cowboys to run has having any impact at all on this one. 
I also wonder how much Leonard Williams is going to play. It's possible the approach is similar to when Kayvon and Ojolari came back. Not to say that Leonard wouldn't play, but they may not throw him back into a full allotment of snaps immediately on Sunday. It's possible he's in the game plan, but he's more of a rotational guy as opposed to a heavy down guy. That's going to be something to watch, and they may still rely on a bulk of their defensive linemen. And here's the other thing with Jalen Smith. Remember, before he came to the Giants, he was with the Packers briefly. Matt LaFleur has Notre Dame ties, so they also go back with Jalen yeah. Smith. They know him. I'm just saying maybe better than some other teams Jaylen considering was not, he was there. He was not happy. He was there for a month. He played yep. sparingly in two games, and then they cut him. He was not happy. You think he's going to be foaming at the mouth? Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Jalen Smith is going to be plugging gaps with a lot of gusto in this game on Sunday. I have no fear that 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 he, he will be ready. I guarantee you that. By the way, I just got a text from Schmilk. He says, to my point, it is now raining pretty hard. So much for that London sunshine. Well, that's the unpredictability of the weather when it comes across the pond, which means that there could be, who knows, a period of time in the game where all of a sudden it does start coming down, and then it just completely disappears because the way that Tottenham Stadium is set up, there is an opening over the top from the imagery that I've seen. The entire stadium is not fully open, but you know a good portion of the center of the stadium is opened. So if it does rain, you know they're going to get hit. It certainly will impact them <laughs> under these circumstances. So that is something to watch. I mean, sometimes you figure, okay, maybe you go overseas, maybe you get this new orchestrated system and stadium that is fully covered, but that's not the case when it comes to some of these soccer stadiums. So weather will definitely play a role. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. A few reminders before we open up the lines. Sunday, October 16th, which is a week from this Sunday, the Giants are going to host the Ravens. The team is going to celebrate Latino Heritage Month. It's presented by Ford. You can arrive early to partake in several plaza activations, including food sampling, salsa dancing, live music, and celebrity artist DJ Camillo performing during pregame warm-ups and select times throughout the game. Limited tickets are available. You can visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat today. Also, the Giants' official connected TV streaming app is Giants TV. It brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, as well as the Giants mobile app. All right, let's open up the lines as we move forward here on Friday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. Rick is in Tampa. He gets us going here on BBKL. What's happening, Rick? Guys, how are you? Hi. Uh, that's uh, the way Twitter works. I tweeted out to John. I said, are you guys having it today? Because I didn't know who's going to England. And he says, yeah, we're there. And I'm like, I thought you'd be in England. And that's where he is. Huh? So <laughs> Twitter it goes across the world. Isn't that great? There's no doubt about that. So what do you got the, for us? Um, well, listen, I, got, I, I don't like anything about this game coming up with a gimpy quarterback, with two big uh, – uh, running backs for Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers, passing attack, and we have no wide receivers. I don't like this situation at all. And and the thing what we didn't learn two years ago, I know Daniel Jones says he's ready. Why didn't, you know, we got two games. We got Green Bay and then Baltimore. We're 3-1. and one. Daniel Jones is not 100%. And we have an opportunity, I just thought, this week, we could have just used uh, our backup quarterback uh, from the practice squad, 
who showed promise during at least during the season. He's more a little bit more. Uh, uh, he can move around a little bit at Davis Webb and uh, and bring up Bachman. Uh, add to the you know the wide receiver uh, core that we have. Bachman's and, not yeah, on Bachman's the practice not on the roster. He's yeah. a free agent. He's not here. Oh, he's not. I thought no, he no. turned down an invitation to the practice squad. Yeah. Oh, he did. Okay, so he's free. All right, so I take it back. But the, the, the point is, is that with the we didn't learn two years ago with Arizona with Daniel Jones. He, he played like crap, and we need we need to have some mobility. We need to have uh, the best shot of, of a full hundred uh, percent quarterback going into this game to beat them. And yes, he's playing. I don't think he's going to be 100%. He's not going to be able to give us what we need at quarterback position because we're going to lie heavily on the run and heavily on the uh, uh, quarterback moving around because our wide receiver core is just pitiful. And I, we have no answers there. So I, I think it's a bad decision. And um, I don't know. Uh, I, I know you guys just will say that, well, he's, he's cleared to play. He's going to play. They, have, they know better than me. I just, and I'll say this now, is a bad choice, bad decision, and I think they should have let him rest one more week for Baltimore. And uh, I don't know. What is your thoughts? I know truly you believe the right decision is for Jones to play and just could not. He could have been the backup quarterback because if something went wrong with Davis Webb, uh, he, he could come in then. You know what I mean? Yeah, if they, I, I look. I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna make this real simple for you. I was of the opinion that if Daniel was not functional enough to be safe and to give the Giants the best chance to win, then he should be on the sidelines backing up Davis Webb only to come in during an emergency. However, right. if if during the course of practice he showed that he was safe enough, that he was mobile enough and that he was effective enough to give them the best chance to win, they have a responsibility to this team to give him a chance and to let him go out there and try to play. And obviously he has passed that threshold, and that's why the Giants are going to start him. It's yeah, I don't, think they're gonna, I don't think they're going to put him out there unless he gives them those check marks. So I don't think Brian Dable is going to put out a quarterback that doesn't give them the ability to throw the ball where they would have to run the Wildcat all game long against Green Bay. So if Daniel Jones is starting on Sunday, then that means that he showed them enough in practice that they can at least implement the majority of their game plan. And in the event that he re-aggravates the injury, then you have Davis Webb to put in. Now, I will also give you one other tiny item here to look for if you want to talk about a guy who could be an X-factor. You rightfully so talked about the Giants' thin wide receiver core. The, the room is just totally broken down right now. They got a guy in the practice squad who was elevated last week, and I'm sure he'll be elevated again this week, Marcus Johnson, who spent a few years with the Colts and has an average yards per catch of over 16 yards a pop. He's a burner. Uh, he has made plays in this league before. He might be an X factor because I, I guarantee you uh, on the basis that, you know, he played a little bit of time with Tennessee last year, but not much. Uh, he would be a relative unknown to the Packers. So if you're looking for somebody to kind of step up in the wide receiver room, there's a chance that he might all of a sudden come out from behind the curtain and, and burn Green Bay. He was also with the Eagles with assistant GM Brandon Brown, too. So he's been with a few teams during the course of his career. Very well could get some opportunities. I still look at Darius Slayton, who we saw a little bit of last game. Oh, here's another opportunity for him 
to make his presence felt consistently, go up, make some plays, and you know, give the Packers something to think about because Slayton is by far one of their most polished wide receivers based on who's healthy. Richie James oh, has mainly been a special yeah. teamer. David Sills doesn't have a boatload of regular season experience. So, I mean, let's face it. It's Darius Slayton. He's got and, the best resume. Yeah, no doubt. So here is yet another opportunity. But regardless of who the wide receivers are, having confidence in the quarterback to be able to make throws is why they went through practice with Daniel Jones this week to give them the indication. I mean, Paul, you think that they put Daniel Jones out there if he can't throw? Eventually, Green Bay is going to read into that. They're going to sense that. So I don't think they'd put him out there unless they believe they could still at least run some semblance of a balance. You know, two years ago, Lance, I talked about this on Wednesday with Russ. Uh, Daniel Jones had a hamstring and a sore ankle and talked his way into the lineup against the Arizona Cardinals against Joe Judge's better judgment, and he performed poorly. He was a sitting duck back there for the Cardinals defense, didn't have much on his throws, didn't have great accuracy, and couldn't move at all. And it was so apparent, even in the first quarter, that he was not himself and he was going to be a liability the rest of the day. And Judge afterwards admitted that he made a mistake, allowing Jones to talk his way onto the field. I don't think that Brian Dable would make that same mistake. I think the Giants are convinced as a result of the previous two practices they had before they got on the plane last night that Daniel Jones is beyond that threshold that he is not a liability, that indeed he is healed enough that he can do what he has to do to give them a real chance to pull this thing off. Otherwise, I have to believe Dable would sit him down. I have to believe that. Well, and he could very well sit him down during the game if it doesn't go according sure to plan. Sure he could. Sure I mean, he that could. is a possibility. Remember, Daniel tried to talk himself back into the game after he hurt his ankle on the sack and... Dable looked at him and said, Tyrod Taylor's going in the game, period. End right. of discussion. Just be ready if I need you in the event that Tyrod gets hurt because then they have no choice. They have and no they option. They have to go back because, in. Yeah, they didn't have a third quarterback. But I think it would be similar. Okay, Daniel, start the game. Let's see how things play out. If he doesn't think that he's efficient, then he'll pull the trigger and he'll put Davis Webb in. And by the way, when David Sills came out of high school and he was recruited at West Virginia, he was a quarterback. Yep. As many people have known him to be a very productive wide receiver with the Mountaineers, and in fact, that's how he's made his living here in the NFL. Uh, Sills was a quarterback. I asked him before they went on the flight. I said, David, does Dabo know that, that you were recruited as a quarterback at West Virginia? And he said, you know, I'm not sure that he does. I said, oh, okay, I was just wondering because, you know, you figure emergency quarterback situation, they were running Saquon out of Wildcat. I got a hunch you probably know how to handle a snap from center. And he laughed. And he goes, yeah, it's been a long time, but I think I could do it. <laughs> yeah, in a pinch, I think he could at least give the Packers something to think about. Remember, also, Sill started his career with Buffalo in the 2019 offseason. So he was there with Dable. I don't know how much Dable – did research on David Sills because something tells me there were a few other guys on the depth chart at quarterback based on what happened there. And Joe Shane, too, was there. So I'm sure they at least have some knowledge of what his resume is. They believe, though, Saquon as the Wildcat was their best option. But something tells me that in the event that Daniel Jones can't get through a game and maybe they want to throw something, a little trickery the way the Green Bay Packers, maybe they do have 
somebody else that can line up under center, at least give the Packers a different look. I don't think that hurts. Well, we and know Kadarius, to your point, fits the bill. We know Kadarius Tony uh, has that in his repertoire, but sure, of course but he, he's unfortunately inactive, he's so not going to be there. It, it yeah. won't matter. Yeah, which is more of a reason why delving into David Sills may help a little. Anybody, heck, who's thrown a pass or two, whether it be in high school or the college level, could be beneficial. Let's head back to the phone lines. We check in with Mike in Virginia. Mike, welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live. What do you got for us? Hey, how y'all doing today, folks? Hi. Doing right. Um, man, it's been a long time since we've been able to uh, smile about uh, being 3-1. and one. So I, I'm just... You know, the fans, we all just need to be grateful because you know how it's been for these past uh, over, what, five, six years? It's 11 years. <laughs> 2011 was oh, the last man. time. That, oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, this has been hard, man. But, uh, again, uh, I, I came on um, when I got through. I, just, I heard the tail end of what you were saying, Paul, about um, Breeder. And to me, uh, well, can, can you go over a little bit? Because I don't want to cover something you already went over. Uh, quickly, what I just said, said that at some point I've been kind of thinking, I've been itching to say that he could be an X factor in terms of his speed. Uh, he, he, you know, they called him Breeder the Cheetah when he came out of school, and he still has blazing speed. And I, I just wonder if at some point in time, and I don't know when they're going to break it out, I got a feeling that he could wind up being a factor of make making a big play that's really going to turn the tide in a game. Could be a wheel route, you know. Could be sending him out in an empty backfield out on the boundary where he catches a pass. Could be a screen. Mm-hmm. Could could be a, a simple off tackle run where they find a crease and he breaks one for forty. You know, with a, a secondary like the Packers that does not tackle well and provide run support, this is the type of defense where a speedy back could really make a big play. Yeah, You know what? I, I agree 100% with you. Um, going into this season, when I saw that we signed Breeder, I was a little excited because it was just like, you know, that one-two punch that we've been missing. Um, Breeder, when he had his opportunities with Shanahan, but like a lot of backs with Shanahan, they're very successful. Um, he showed a lot of what he could do. And I happened to look over his stats while um, I've been on hold. And... Breeder for us could be how, I guess, a Pollard is for Dallas, if we use him correctly, in my opinion. So I think, like, I mean, again, you can't take anything away from Saquon, but once you start getting Saquon going and they're getting tired, hey, sneak Breeder in there, get him a couple of carries. I, I do think that we don't use him enough, in my opinion, because of the way our, especially with our, our passing game being as, as um, I don't want to say bad, but ineffective as it is. I think we need to lean a little bit more on the run game, don't tire Saquon out so much. You in between both of those backs, and I really think we can control the clock. Uh, the line seems to start really getting it going with the with the run blocking. Until we can get some of our receivers healthy, like hey, let's just lean on them, lean on them, lean on them. Like like David was saying in the press, lean on them, lean on them. Keep just keep leaning on these guys, man. And I, I really think we can be successful. Well, I mean, I think it's one thing to do that against Chicago. I think it's another thing to do that against Green Bay and Baltimore, where, once again, you have a far more talented offense on the opposite side of the field. So eventually you're going to have to, regardless of who's at your disposal, eventually you're going to have to do something through the air. And keep in mind, Brita was on Buffalo last season, and they have a pretty good idea what he brings to the table, and he didn't get that much of an opportunity. And you could argue 
you know, they didn't have a Saquon Barkley. They had Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, and there was only one game, I believe it was on Thanksgiving against New Orleans, where both of those guys were injured and Breida got the start. Outside of that, they didn't utilize him much. So I think they have an idea of what Breida brings to the table, and I don't know if they love the idea of taking Saquon off the field other than here or there throughout the game. So I'm not saying that it would be impossible to give him more opportunities. I just think you have a coaching staff that has a pretty, a pretty good grasp of what Breida brings to the table and how they've utilized him in previous seasons. Yeah, the interesting part is that they did not waste much time when they got here in signing him and bringing him down from Buffalo. And I agree with you, Lance. Uh, they they should know all about what his skill set is. And quite honestly, uh, caller, and, and it sounds like you agree, I'm a little surprised he hasn't gotten a tad more burn, to be frank with you. Yeah. Because I do yeah. think he brings something to the table and something a little different than necessarily what Barkley brings. But there's only one ball. And Barkley's doing what he's doing, so how can you argue with the results? But I yeah, do yeah, think it's right a long that. season. And at some point in time, I'm telling you, Breida is going to be a difference maker. I don't care if it's one game, two yeah. games. At some point in time, he's going to do some stuff for this team. I appreciate the um, phone any, call, Mike. Any, yeah. any word on um, uh, Wondell Robinson? Because, I mean, we, he's out. We Wondell's not playing. Uh, all right, fellas. All right, appreciate y'all taking my call. Hey, let's get this W. Go Big Blue. All right, Mike. Appreciate the phone call. I'm bringing up the snap counts for this season with respect to the backfield because Breed has had his moments, especially the 13-yard run, if you recall, where that was a huge turning point in one of the games. In terms of snap count, Barkley's played 88% of the snaps, and Breed is at just over 15, and Gary Brightwell is just above one. There is a huge lopsidedness with respect to the mm-hmm. breakdown. I just, once again, I'd be surprised. Barkley, that's why. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I would be very surprised <laughs> if they all of a sudden go into a game and then you see Breida take a significant jump. To me, it would take a Saquon injury for Matt Breida's snaps. Yeah, I, I, don't want, I don't want people to think that I'm trying to get the ball out of Saquon's hands. I'm no, not, and I I'm didn't not think insane. you were doing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm not insane. No. Some people might think that, but I'm really not, okay? Uh, I, what I'm saying is, even if Brito winds up with only, I don't know, five or six touches in a particular game, I just have a hunch that some, something's going to break for him where he's going to wind up making a big play, an important play, a key play that's going to turn a game around. And, it, and, and I, it's a long season. You know, Lance, it's a long season. And I fully believe that that Barkley's going to have his 2,000 yards from scrimmage. I've been predicting it since the season ended last year. And he's well on his way to doing it. And and that's great. And the Giants need that if they're going to be any good this year. But that doesn't necessarily mean that over the course of 17 games, Breida won't be able to give them something. Let's head back to the line. Scott is in New Mexico, and he joins us. What's happening, Scott? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? Doing all right. What do you got for us? A um, couple of things. I, I sort of agree with uh, you, Lance, and Darius Slayton being you know, more of a cog in the wheel for this particular game. But as far as the rushing aspect of it, uh, by himself, uh, Saquon Barkley has almost as many yards as both of Green Bay's backs. In fact, the Giants have outrushed Green Bay for the season. Uh, Outscored think- them too, Scott. I'm sorry? Outscored them, too. Yes, and so I think this is a pickup game. Uh, I'm, I'm not 
of the mindset that Green Bay is out distancing them because Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback. Uh, one thing that was not discussed, uh, even though Daniel Jones has been sacked. By the way, the he, Giants are outscoring the Packers by one point, okay? Just right. I for mean, perspective. The, the teams are virtually, <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah. Exactly. The but teams it, are virtually the same and giving up well, points. Yeah, Paul, but 76 points. versus I get it. 75. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I mean, it's still a fact, though. And let me tell you <laughs> something. If you pulled 100 people on the street today and said, mm-hmm. who has scored more points this year? No, they would probably would say, say Green Bay. Packers. Sure. Right. No, I, I understand that. But, that's, you know, and that's the point. It's about the yeah. spirit The spirit of, of, the, of the thought. It's not about the specific number. Correct. The spirit of the thought. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Right. And so... um... I don't know enough about Marcus Jones to see if he'd be a, a factor or not, but I know Darius Slayton should be in the lineup. But as far as the rushing attack, one of the things that's not discussed is the second leading rusher for the Giants is Daniel Jones. Uh, he has about 190 yards. If he has a gimpy leg, we have to get Breeder into the lineup because he has to make up that difference. Because if he can, and we can sort of uh, substitute Daniel Jones uh, with Matt Breeder, as far as a rusher, and run some wildcat plays. I think that will help the Giants. But irregardless of that, one thing, again, as I started to say, that was not discussed, even though Daniel Jones has been sacked 14 times, I think, this year, Aaron Rodgers has been sacked nine times this year. So they're averaging uh, getting to him about two and a half times a game. So I think the game is going to be be determined by the offensive lines. Whichever offensive line plays better than the other one, that's the team that's going to win because that's going to control the clock and that's going to control what you can do, whether you play Wildcat if it's the Giants and whether you can get to Aaron Rodgers. But that offensive line, at least in my opinion, is the, is the key. If our offensive line plays better than us, better than Green Bay, we win. If Green Bay's offensive line plays better than uh, our offensive line, they win. And it's going to be a two- or three-point differential. I don't think it's going to be Green Bay winning by a touchdown or ten points. I I think the teams are too close in all the things they have together. And I just wanted to get your analysis if whether you think what I'm saying is accurate, that the offensive lines are going to make the difference in the game. And I'll be glad to take your answers off of your guys. Thanks. All right, Scott. Appreciate the phone call. Well, you go back to the Dallas game, and that was a game in which Giants all of a sudden had to play from behind. And what happened in that game? Cowboys had opportunities to get after Daniel Jones because he had to throw. The game against Chicago, I don't think the Giants really ever put themselves in that position. That's why, to me, just to piggyback off of that point, if the Giants do have to throw a little bit, if they have to play from behind, we haven't, Paul, seen enough of a sample size to have a good gauge with respect to this offensive line in those circumstances because I think the running ability has protected them from putting their quarterbacks and their offensive line in those pass protection situations. And Rashawn Gary, he's got five sacks for Green Bay. He's one of the top pass rushers in the league this season. He's got a sack in every game. Green Bay's going to look for those opportunities. Can you keep Green Bay from cashing in on that? Will you do that by, once again, what we talked about, running the ball? 
And if you were to ask me, I think Aaron and his ability to get around issues with the offensive line, how quickly he gets rid of the ball, if it does become a battle of wills and pass protection, I would still give the Packers the edge over the Giants. Yeah, I think the reason we don't talk about it very much is because it's a given. Football 101 says every week the team that wins in the trenches is the team that's going to have like a 95% chance of winning the game. So to bring that up as a factor in the game is almost a moot point because that's an automatic assumption that you don't necessarily have to talk about because it's a given. You know, what we try to do when we, when we look at these things is we, we, we try to say, okay, you know what the givens are, okay? Those, those are the givens. Now, aside from the givens, what are the things about this matchup that are unique or that are different that clearly could swing the pendulum, pendulum in one, one way or another? And that that's why. But, yeah, Scott, you want to tell me the offensive line's the key to the game? Okay, great. I'll tell you that 17 weeks out of the season. <laughs> I mean, Well, listen, I don't think, to your point, is it above and beyond. But like I was indicating, Paul, where I want to get back to is it can become a huge factor if, once again, one of the teams struggles to run the ball. And then if the Giants have to throw – I don't like that situation against the Green Bay defensive front. Right. If the Packers have to throw, yeah, they could be exposed. Elton Jenkins is still getting his legs under him at right tackle. But once again, how quickly Aaron gets rid of the football better protects his offensive line in pass protection circumstances than what we've seen between the dynamics of Daniel Jones and his offensive yeah. line. You know what's interesting, and it's not the reality. It, it is what it is. Daniel Jones, I'm sure, is not 100%. But if he were 100%, you could talk all you want about Rodgers who gets the ball uh, out of his hands quicker, yes. But you would also have to say that Daniel Jones is a much bigger threat to avoid the pass rush, tuck the ball down, and run for 20 yards than Aaron Rodgers is. So, you know, each of the quarterbacks would actually have a very large edge over the other guy when it comes to dealing with the pass rush. But... Again, Jones is not 100%. At least I don't believe that he is. And so the ability to do that is probably lost and would would obviously give the edge to Rodgers. Well, and also the gap closes a little bit to your point because if Daniel could run, yeah, that's something that the Giants bring to the table that the Packers don't, and maybe that could help balance the scales a little bit. But if we're assuming that Daniel's not going to run as much as he's done previously, also I'm sure they don't want to expose him to additional hits and they also perhaps lean a little bit more on the running backs. And like you were saying, maybe Breida gets a few more opportunities here or there so that the Packers still need to account for a different style running back. Once again, I don't know how much of a difference or an edge that would give the Giants. That's why if you're Big Blue, it comes back to they have to be able to run the ball on first and second down. If this mm -hmm. becomes a passing game for them, this is where the scales tip heavily in favor of the Packers, regardless of whether or not you think this is the Green Bay team of old. I understand they're averaging 18.8s per game. I get that, but that's not what I'm talking about. It's talking about it all of a sudden flips when you give the Packers an opportunity to set the tone on defense with their pass rush and the Giants now play from behind. We have not seen that much, at least in the Carolina game and the Chicago game, right? They weren't playing from behind, Paul. There was no big adverse situations. Correct. The Dallas game was the lone adverse situation. And what happened in the second half? The Cowboys' pass rush feasted. So if you give the Packers an opportunity to do that, that's how this game drastically changes. You know, Coach Parcells always used to say to us, you want to impose your will on the game. 
You want to control the tempo. You want to determine how the game is going to be played. Well, that's exactly what you're talking about, Lance, in different terms. But you're basically outlining that the Giants need need to author the script for this game. And if they do, they've got themselves a legitimate chance. If you let the Packers author the script, it's going to be a long day. Now, here's the other thing that I think you were getting into a little bit earlier, which has been a bit unusual for the Packers. They have given the ball away seven times this season, which for Green Bay is extremely on the high side. Aaron Rodgers has five turnovers. He's lost two fumbles. He has three interceptions. Now, I thought it was interesting, Paul, when we were speaking with Matt Schneidman of The Athletic. And once again, you can check out that full interview on the Giants Huddle podcast. I had asked him that right off the top. Because that, to me, was the most alarming number, which is very unusual, more so than them averaging just under 19 points per game. And I asked him, well, what is that a product of? Is it the fact that he's still not on the same page with some of these new receivers? And his response, Paul, if you recall, was Aaron's been taking some chances, Mm -hmm. more so than in the past, that he's been a little bit too aggressive. Because it's one thing, right, when you have Devontae Adams out on the field, you throw the ball up, you feel pretty good Devontae's going to win the battle. He's going to make a play for you. He doesn't necessarily have that player yet. Alan Lazard is a nice receiver. Randall Cobb, both of those guys have some chemistry. Romeo Dobbs has shown some flashes in his rookie year. Christian Watkins, Watson, excuse me, he's another guy that's been in and out of the lineup. But they don't have certainly somebody with the resume of Devontae Adams. And Aaron's not going to be shy. He's still going to take his chances. But there's sort of the pros and cons to that now, where maybe you're a little bit more protected when you have Devontae on the field. You don't have that layer anymore. Well... Look, Alan Lazard is the only Green Bay Packer who has a 100-yard receiving game so far this year, and he's got one. That's it. Sammy Watkins coming up with that hamstring injury, and he's on injury reserve right now. He's going to miss another couple of weeks. To me, that's a very fortuitous break for the Giants because if you already believe that Rodgers has an advantage going into this game because he is Aaron Rodgers, now you take away his speedy deep threat in Watkins, and you significantly hamper that wide receiver room, much like the Giants' wide receiver room has been beaten down and is and as thin as a Kleenex tissue. That's more of a reason why another position we haven't touched on yet The tight ends. Listen, Daniel Bellinger led the team in receptions the last game. And then Robert Tunyon is back now for the Packers. And remember, a few years ago before the torn ACL, he actually led the way with double-digit touchdowns. Do we see the tight ends? It goes without saying, Paul, from a blocking standpoint, you know they're going to play an integral Mm -hmm. role. But maybe we're focusing so much on the receivers. I mean, this could be a game where the tight ends become threats in the passing attack and if Tunyon or Bellinger can make somewhat of an indent, whether it be a play in the red zone or a play in the middle of the field to get them into the opposition's territory, don't be surprised if you see one of those guys play yeah. a big role in this game. Yeah, on my, on my WFAN pod that I had to do uh, earlier yesterday, I, I actually said, look, Barkley's the guy, obviously, as we will say most of the time this season, the best fantasy player if you're a giant. They actually asked me a fantasy question. You believe this, Lance? Oh, you must love that. Oh, my God. But I got look, I got to come up with an answer. It's a segment that's got to be answered. So, so what do you do? You just give Barkley every single week? No, I, do? I don't give him every single week. But, but I said, you know, in most weeks, Barkley's the obvious chalk. But if you're looking for an X factor or a dark horse fantasy play this week, I said Bellinger. Because 
if if whoever the quarterback is, and again, we're going to go under the assumption it's Jones. It certainly looks like he's the guy. Um, if he throws 15 to 20 passes, chances are they're going to want to get the ball out quick. And if the Giants are going to be using play action because they're going to want to establish the run, well, how do you do that to avoid the pass rush? You get it to the tight end. The tight end is always the number one security blanket when teams have a strong pass rush and you want to get the ball out quickly. Because of the position where he is on the field and the route tree that he usually uses, the tight end is the number one security blanket. He's the insurance policy, okay? I wouldn't be shocked if Bellinger catches four or five passes and a touchdown in this game. I really would not. So he was my dark horse fantasy pick. And I think that's a good one, especially once again, based on what the Giants are looking at from a receiving core standpoint, because every week it seems we eliminate somebody else from the pool. And Kenny Galladay is the latest guy. They're probably going to you know, have maybe somebody that they call up from the practice squad that we were talking about. But once again, even if they do that, here's the other thing, Paul. How many reps has Daniel Jones had with a lot of these other wide receivers? We know, (laughs) right, he's built some chemistry with David Sills going back to the preseason. Okay, so that's not a guy that you're concerned about. We know him and Richie James are on the same page, but now you start talking about the Marcus Johnsons of the world or the Pimpletons of the world, who's also on the practice squad. How many passes has Daniel Jones thrown? to them, even mm-hmm. in a practice session. Mm-hmm. So to expect them to come in and then snap your fingers just like that, yeah, I'd lean more towards the tight end based on that. And than to be honest with receivers. you, with the Giants' tight ends, it actually could be anybody. It doesn't yeah, even Tanner have Hudson, to be. It, could be. <laughs> it doesn't Chris even Weinrich have to be Bellinger, right? Yeah, 100%. It could be any of them, to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. So that's more of a reason why I think it's important to know. And once again, I don't want to downgrade it from Green Bay's standpoint, too. Tunyon, he's been somewhat quiet as he's working his way back from the torn ACL, but he was a favorite target of Aaron Rodgers before the injury. And given they're also spreading the wealth. See, that's the difference between the Packers of previous years versus this year. And this is where maybe there's a bit of a mirror image in the passing attacks when you remove, obviously, the quarterbacks, Paul, it's the fact that the Giants, they'll go into games. One game, it could be Bellinger. Another game, it could be Richie James. Then it could be Darius Slayton. Green Bay, too. One game, it's Romeo Dobbs. Then it's Alan Lazard. Then it's Tunyon. So with the Packers now, you go into games normally, you say, we have to look out for Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. Those are the two guys Aaron leans on. We can't let them damage the game. You could argue, okay, they're not maybe as dangerous because Devontae is not in the lineup, but, see, I would argue the opposite. I think knowing that Aaron could go to anyone with the ball in any game and one guy can emerge as the workhorse, that makes the Packers a little bit more unpredictable than in previous years. Not to say that the Giants' defense can't handle this, but there's a little bit more, I would argue, you have to account for when you play the Packers now, more so than in previous years. Fair enough. Fair enough. It's not the same old, same old names that we've seen for year after year. That's true. So it's the Giants and the Packers in London. Set the alarms. 9.30 a.m. Eastern kickoff. We will have an extremely early pregame. We are on at 8 a.m. Eastern. You can listen to the game on WFAN as well as Giants.com. And remember, SiriusXM now has a channel dedicated to all 32 teams. The Giants channel is SiriusXM 823. So if you have a Sirius subscription, you could certainly tune in to the Giants pregame and the postgame on that channel. So definitely check that out. 
Gearing up for what should be an eventful weekend with a little international flavor. We appreciate everybody listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's part of the Giants platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. You can stay locked to the Giants website for all the latest. For Paul Dettino, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the weekend, enjoy the game, and we'll speak to you on Monday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Have a good one. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins.